0: This is Henry Hill from the movie Goodfellas, and I'm on the show Without Your Head.
1: Of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neil, and I'm joined by uh, the writer and director of Fear, Love, and Agoraphobia, Alex Dalerma. How are you doing?
0: I'm great, and uh, I like that open. The station, the decapitation. I, I like
1: that. Hey, That's cool. I appreciate it. <laughs> very good. Very good. So, uh, well, it's out now on uh, video on demand. So, if you can give people an idea who aren't familiar yet, uh, what is the movie about?
0: Uh, fear, love, and agoraphobia. It, it almost sounds like it's uh, some kind of a scary, scary uh-huh. kind of thing, doesn't it? Um, yeah. yeah. So it's a drama comedy, and it's about a uh, a guy who graduates high school and he winds up never. He just lives with his mom and he never leaves the house. So he's literally inside for about ten years, and that's where the story begins with our agoraphobic man. His name is Chet. And then he encounters this um, very, um, very volatile uh, female marine. She can be volatile. Uh, her name is Maggie, and so she's dealing with some issues of her own. So uh, that's where the that's where the story is. It's a kind of a, a very odd um, love story, if you think about it, isn't it? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, definitely. And um, we're. Is uh, anything in your life that did, uh, did you draw from for any of the characters of the story itself? Um,
0: no, when I was trying to decide on what to write about, I um, I knew that I wanted something that was drama, but also with some real life comedy. And I thought about exploring uh, just that feeling of where 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 most of us at some point in our lives go through this feeling of being trapped you know, in our own lives, through circumstances, uh, just feeling depressed, and you know you don't you don't want to come out. You just want to sort of get into your cave and keep everybody out. And um, I was trying to figure out how I could dramatize that, and I thought, well, agoraphobia is a pretty sort of extreme version of of being trapped and dealing with anxiety. And so it could make for a good uh, theatrical way of, um, of conveying all this stuff that I wanted to convey. Uh, plus I, I hadn't really heard of a movie that dealt with agoraphobia in a serious way. Um, mm-hmm. There were a few out there that I was aware of. that was, there were either a, a uh, you know, the basis of a horror film, you know, she's trapped mm-hmm. in the house with the monster, but she can't get out. She's right. got agoraphobia uh, or, you know, it's a punchline. Um, so I thought it would be an opportunity to to shed some light on that subject in a an authentic way as well. So that's that's where the whole – that's where the idea uh, uh, came from.
1: Now, I, I like how it dealt with it because it's not something I really know a lot about. Is, is it something that you knew a lot uh, before making the movie, writing the movie? Or is it something you had to uh, mm-hmm. like do some research into?
0: No, I didn't really know. I didn't. I. I didn't know. I only knew that agoraphobia meant it's the fear of going outside and being in public places, being around uh, groups of people, or just out in public. I. I had um, the lead character of Chet, who was played by the actor uh, Dustin Coffey. He was. He was attached to the film from the very very beginning. In fact, he had approached me with a script that he wrote, and he wanted me to direct and that he was going to star in. And I said uh, that his script really didn't speak to me, but uh, I'd love to work with him, and I'd like to write something to showcase his unique talents. And so <laughs> when I came up with this agoraphobia idea, he loved it because there's somebody in his life growing up that that struggled with that. So he was, he was kind of familiar with it. And so um, I said, why don't... Instead of me, normally I would research this. I said, why don't you be my researcher? Because you, you're you going to have to research this anyway to play the character. And, uh, you know, and 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 go ahead and uh, start. He he brought me some books and things, and he interviewed some medical professionals, and I watched those interviews. And I also suggested to him actually reaching out to some, uh, find out, find some people who were suffering from agoraphobia and see if they would allow him to you know, just to get some real personal information from them. And he, and he did. So Dustin did the majority of the research, uh, that I used for my script and that he used for his character. And, uh, there was one agoraphobic (laughs) man in particular who was very, very helpful. He lives in Australia and his name's Tom gray. And uh, Tom was, was great. He was very open and honest with, you know, his life and his struggles and how his family helped him. And, um, and so he was a uh, very helpful in in, uh, in in the research part of this uh, this film.
1: I thought he did a really good job because, uh, like you say, he's not a caricature. There's times where there's uh, some stuff in his life where he is you know confident in, and then it really. I thought he did a good job uh, coming across as you could tell he's is fearful of you know actually being away and like the the use of the, of the news where. You know he's listening to news a lot, and uh, this everything is uh, is scaring him.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Neil. Uh, uh, yeah, he uh, yeah Dustin's great, and um, and the news. Yeah, that there through the film, there's times where you're just hearing audio of news feeds or radio talk shows. That was not in the script originally and um, writing about somebody who's agoraphobic because essentially they're just staying home and they're not doing much. Um, Well, that's not necessarily true, but they're not doing something that a movie audience is going to, you know, uh, that's going to be super engaging. They're just doing what normal people do because they are, you know, leading their normal lives. Uh, (laughs) But anyway, the idea for all that of the audio that you'll hear periodically through the film, just news radio or whatever, that came to me during the editing process because I was trying to figure out how to convey to the audience more of what, what he was fearful of, what was in his head. And, um, you know, that he probably did consume a lot of, you know, radio and and talk shows and stuff like that. So that was something that really came along um, after the script was already sh- written and shot, and um, and it worked out. It worked out pretty good.
1: Yeah. Uh, when I say about the news, I think it's not necessarily that it, <coughs> um, it makes him agoraphobic, but it definitely uh, 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 gives him uh, an inspiration for his agoraphobia. I don't know if that's the right word, but uh, but I, th- I, th- I th- no, thought you I thought that very well.
0: Totally get it. Yeah, totally get it. It's it's right. It's not the cause of the agoraphobia, but certainly, um, you know, if you're already having an anxiety disorder and you're getting a, a, a steady stream or a steady diet from media of, you know, um, things that are out there that will harm you, the air and, you know, and, uh, you know, things shootings that happen and and, and all that uh, that sort of thing that certainly would not help somebody who is struggling with uh, agoraphobia um yeah, yeah. You, know,
1: boy, where are, you came from another I... go ahead go, go on right. I'm, sorry. Go ahead. I'm, going,
0: I'm sorry oh no no i was gonna I'm say finished. you know if, if somebody came if somebody came from another planet and just had to learn about our planet just from watching you know TV news or listening to the radio or whatever, you, you might think that it was just this constant battle and everybody <laughs> uh-huh. <Yeah. laughs> that it's just a horrible, horrible place. And of course it's not, you know, and the majority of people get along. Um, yeah. Yeah. but yeah, fear, if you think about it, if we're going to, if we're going to go down this road with fear, uh, what do they say uh, in the news media? If it bleeds, it leads. So, fear is something that is a, a, a ratings grabber, isn't it? It's something that oh, yeah, you yeah. want to want to put at the top of your, you know, newscast, TV cast, whatever it is. Um, you, you know,
1: because by even, nature, even simple, even simple, even fi- simple, yeah, even simple things. I think uh, like weather is it, so it's so, uh, so based, especially here in the I'm in the Northeast, and anytime there's like snow of any kind, uh, it's always like portrayed as it's going to be just the worst. You know, thing ever,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you see, at least you guys have real weather in Los Angeles. It's hilarious because you know if we if we get some rain. Uh, they, it's hilarious that they will they will use the um, you know uh, the, the 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 tag uh, storm watch twenty eighteen.
1: <laughs> right. Here it comes.
0: Right. Be prepared. We're going to get some rain tomorrow. And literally, I'm driving down the freeway, and I'm like. Uh, there's some sprinkles and yeah. Okay. It's not, you know, but, but, but there's not really uh poor weather guys out here. They don't really have anything to report, you
1: know, it's another <laughs> day of sunshine. Right? Yeah. yeah. It, it worked uh, kind of <laughs> like, uh, uh, the boy called wolf this year, because, uh, for me, because, uh, I hear that all the time. Every time there's snow, it's always supposed to be so awful. And after a while, you just get desensitized to it. But then I actually had uh, several Nor'easters here and lost power. And, it's so it's like, oh, this is the one time I should actually listen to the news.
0: Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? You're right. That's a good uh, analogy. The boy who cry, cried wolf. I have a, one of my oldest brother lives uh, in your neck of the woods. And uh, I say, man, you got you have real weather to contend with. And uh, and he's like, yeah, but I love it out here. This is, this is great. Uh, and he's like, yeah, it's no big deal. No big
1: deal. So, so how did you, uh, you mentioned, you know, uh, knowing Dustin, um, before the, uh, doing this. So how, how did you meet him?
0: So I have worked with both Dustin coffee, uh, in, in fear, love and agoraphobia, the two lead actors are Dustin coffee and Linda Brzezinski. And I had worked for years with both Linda and Dustin because, uh, I have an acting and directing, um, studio, you know, acting, and directing classes. So I've been their acting coach for several years and, uh, they both had had some, uh, smaller television credits, but they both were struggling getting their, their first, you know, uh, movie and certainly a, a leading role in a movie for a character actor is, uh, a difficult thing to do. You know, Hollywood really, uh, you know, they, they really love uh, youth, beauty and, uh, a large amount of social media followers, you know, uh, talent you know sort of is almost like number four on the list so especially if you're a character actor that that could be a tough thing so anyway I've worked with them for years and I was very much interested in writing something specifically for their unique talents and to help um, help promote their careers because I, I I happen to think they're very un- unique and unusual uh, Talented character actors, and and so far, uh, all the reviews that we've gotten have been just positive, and and they just glowing reviews about their chemistry and their performances. So, I'm really happy that it all worked out uh, the way we hoped it, it would, uh, especially yeah. for them.
1: Yes, um, yeah, this, the movie primarily is the two leads, so you have to have people that do have chemistry. I mean, there's other characters, obviously, but uh, the movie relies, sure. I think, you know, primarily on, on those two. And when you mentioned the chemistry, I thought uh, something in the movie was, um, like, the characters that have relationships already before the, you know, the story starts, they seem like they're actually, you know, friends, uh, you know, for a long time. And then you actually see the the relationship grow between the two leads, and that, and both uh, relationships seems natural. Seems like these people have been friends for a long time, and these people just met, but you can see how uh, they connect.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks. Um, I'm glad that came through. And um, yeah, so Dustin and Linda they they knew each other from uh, my acting class, uh, but they weren't necessarily friends outside of it. But what we did, or what I always do, is uh, I like to have rehearsals for the actors. Which in movies, for for those of you who are listening or not in the business, rehearsal rehearsing in movies is a rare thing. Rehearsing for a play, obviously, is very well you can't do a play without rehearsal, can you? And typically you'll have six to eight weeks. And I, uh, so, you know, I come from a strong theater background. And so I think we did about two and a half to three months of me uh, uh, rehearsing them and also (laughs) dropping my script. So I could just, you know, see, see if it's going to work out. So by the time we went and shot the movie, they had already been working on their characters with me for two and a half to three months, and so yeah, that's that's where that real um, familiar um, and you know uh, chemistry that that good chemistry c- came from. You know all the rehearsal.
1: Yeah. Uh, where did you film? What I assume it's someone's house. He you, you filmed it in.
0: Yeah, we re- we wound up renting a house for two weeks um, in uh, Southern California. It's it's a it's called Thousand Oaks. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, I don't know, 20, 15 minutes outside of 20, 30 minutes away from downtown Los Angeles. But, uh, yeah, we just, we rented that house. That was going to be the agoraphobics house. And, um, we really didn't have a lot of locations. You know, we had the, the van that Maggie, our Marine, uh, is living in. And then we had the bar and the, and the prison. So it's pretty much for just basically for, uh, Four locations, and all of it in the greater Los Angeles area.
1: There was uh, one particular shot I really liked: is uh, when when uh, Maggie and Chet are talking and they're drinking, and uh, you have the camera going around them uh, for the whole scene. And uh, I assume oh, that thanks. was that? just techni- I really, yeah, that was a great scene. And technically, would that be hard to shoot since it was in a house? I assume there wouldn't be a lot of room.
0: Exactly. Yeah, very. Uh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, um, that shot that you're talking about, this is when the uh, the uh, marine and the agoraphobic man start to, to bond and she is schooling him and drinking. And there's a 360 degree uh, camera move that just keeps going around them and around them. If you look at the, the kitchen that it is set in. I know you know this. There is <laughs> it's like a traditional kitchen where you have an island. Uh, that separates the dining area from the food preparation area. And then there's a, a little wall that divides those two spaces. So in order to create that 360 degree camera move, I think we had three, maybe four, I think it was three crew members that would hand the camera to each other because one guy couldn't walk around the actors again and again and again in a circle because there's a little, you know, there's a wall there, but there's that window where the island is. And then one guy would pass the camera off to the next guy. And uh, they just, they did that, I think a total of maybe three times. And uh, so that was, uh, that was, I think that idea came from our cinematographer, uh, Bill Totolo who did a really good job. Yeah. And uh, it was a cool
1: that was a cool camera camera shot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, I actually have that <laughs> pretty much exactly in my house with the. uh that yeah, right. Living, me too, me the too. dining room. Yeah. <laughs> <area>. <laughs> yep. There's <Yeah. laughs> also it's also kind of a small line. I don't want to say throwaway line. At the beginning of the movie, um, when uh, when when Chet goes to the uh, to the bank and. Well, the first of all, you kind of think maybe it's like he's going to rob the bank or something. But then, um, right when he's talking, when he's talking to the security guy afterwards, and uh, it's uh, it's almost like uh, nowadays you can't like uh, escape like friends from uh, or even just people you know from high school because he like has a thing about "I'll oh, friend me" like on Facebook. You assume and does, uh, so it's like you know. I think before like the the internet, you could just never see these people again. But now it's like unless you're just not on social media, but everyone is, like you, you can't like even escape them uh, if if you want to.
0: You know that that's a great. You know I didn't even think about that. Uh, but you just brought up something that you know if if a person is agoraphobic and you know or or somebody is just maybe let's say they're just depressed or lonely and they they just they don't want to deal with anybody or anything. It really is almost impossible to disappear now, isn't it? Um, You know, people can, if you have any social media presence whatsoever, even just one, let's say it's Facebook, you know, people, oh, oh, so-and-so I went to school with. He lives in, uh, you know, he lives in New Hampshire. He lives in Dover. Uh, He's got, oh, he's got kids. You know, it's, um, you really can't really disappear anymore, can you? And, um, so maybe, uh, yeah, that, that's funny that you brought that up. I didn't think about that it, when, um, when our agoraphobic man goes to the bank, that he runs into a buddy who's the security guard, who is, uh, yeah, just pestering him and, and, uh, encourage him to basically reach out through social media and, and engage, which is hard for Chet to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like because it was—he was hard for him to escape just in the parking lot, and then like it kind of now with social media, even goes beyond uh, the parking lot, beyond like <laughs> <Right>. the, the <laughs> physical.
0: Yeah, the guy won't let
1: him go. Hey, friend me. <laughs> right. Uh which, I have some people like that for uh, They might be listening, so maybe. I yeah. That, but.
0: <laughs> it's it's inter- yeah it's interesting. I get some I get some uh, I get some of that too through social media. People who people who you just didn't click with or you know <laughs> exactly. okay we went to school yeah, together yeah. and it's like and you know it's, <laughs> the fun, only it's connection. you bring yeah. up something really funny i wonder how many people listening right now when they first started doing social media how many people uh, guilt friended somebody in other words accepted <laughs> accepted a friend request through guilt uh-huh. which i did you know i would ha- i'd have people reach out uh, to me I've- yeah. Who I didn't even know, and I didn't. I was just learning about social media, and and I'd be like, who, "Who's this guy Harvey?" And well, I don't want to hurt his feelings. All right, I'll sure. just accept his. Right. <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> and now I'm a bit more discriminating since
1: there's a lot of um,
0: very interesting individuals out there who are trying to, you know,
1: steal right. your identity
0: right. and do different things.
1: Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, it's like, well, in high school, I mean, I was into all movies, but a lot of horror movies, and I played Dungeons and Dragons a lot, and I was into professional wrestling, so, well, not exactly the go. coolest kid. In the, in, <laughs> but and then, and then, you know, like, you know, 10 or 15 years later, all these people, it's like, I never even talked to you in high school, and, you know, they kind of act like they're your best friend, or <laughs> it's very it's bizarre
0: very it's very it's a very interesting dynamic yeah it's very interesting and then our our lead character he basically after graduation that's it he disappeared to do his mom's house for 10 years never yeah. to be seen again you know
1: so uh have you played the i I think you played the movie at festivals because I saw some pictures
0: yeah we uh we were very fortunate we um it it really became a little uh mini indie film festival sensation. We, um, we were in several festivals through 2017. We won, um, actually I take that back. We won several awards, but we will, we really were not in a huge amount of festivals and that was a really nice surprise. And, um, yeah, it was, it was just, it was just, it just wasn't expected. And, um, the majority of the awards were like best actress, best actor. Uh, we got some other ones producing, you know, uh, our, our producer, uh, Marcus Lineker, you know, and, and for editing and writing. But the majority of the uh, the awards were uh, for acting, for Dustin and for Linda and Lori Petty won, uh, won one as well. And so, yeah, that, that was an awesome experience. And uh, we went all over the place, you know, to... New York and Jersey and Philly and, you know, you name it. So that, that was a blast. That was a lot of fun. Well,
1: what is like, uh, especially the first experience when you're watching your movie, Fear, Love, and Agoraphobia, uh, on the big screen with an audience?
0: Uh, that, is, that is something that I look forward to uh, because, you know, from my first feature film, um, I learned very quickly when I did my first feature, I thought it was like this brilliant masterpiece. And I was just like, oh my God, they are going to just be loving this, you know? And then the first time I thought with an audience, I, you know, I had a rude awakening. I was like,
1: yeah, they
0: like it, but. Hmm. They didn't, they didn't laugh in that place or, you know, didn't get emotional in that place. I wonder why. And it was a real education as a filmmaker that, you know, your audience will teach you so much um, without even having a conversation with you. So I I always look forward to watching the movie with an audience, and I always usually stand in the back right-hand or left-hand corner of the theater, and I'm watching the audience watch the movie, and I'm taking notes, you know, literally taking notes, um, because I'll always have a screening, sort of a small semi-private screening before I will lock picture. And so that audience without them knowing it, is that they're get they're, they're helping me to make final edit decisions. And, um, even with a drama, you, you can tell, you can just see, uh, read people's body language and, you know, see if they're bored and, you know, and, and, and literally I would see people get on their phone, you know, <laughs> literally take their phone out and I'm like, Hmm, okay, that part is not working, you know, uh-huh. and why? And so, uh, yeah, the very first screening I had was a for the purpose of helping me um, make final editing choices. And then out of that group, I maybe spoke to five individuals that I had a relationship with and who were in the business and whose opinion I trusted. And they gave me some very good feedback. And so then I did, uh, that was the fifth draft of the, the movie. So I did two more drafts. And then the seventh draft was it locked picture we're done, you know, had the, had the, the big cast and crew screening and, and they loved it. You know, then we had our first festival, which was the uh, Hollywood real independent film festival in uh, Los Angeles. Had a huge, huge uh, Regency uh, theater in downtown LA, like massive great sound system and picture. And that's where Lori Petty, our, our only uh, name actress, uh, that's where she won her Best Supporting uh, uh, Award for, from, uh, from H-Riff. So, yeah, the screenings were great
1: and a lot of fun. Yeah, She's always uh, good in everything, obviously. Uh, how did she uh, get involved in, in the movie?
0: Yeah, we. I feel very fortunate that we got uh, Lori Petty in. Uh, that was an idea by... Uh, uh, there's three producers, Dustin Coffey, myself, and, and, uh, Marcus Lineker, our, 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 our MVP producer, most valuable player, Marcus Lineker, he came up with the idea. He said, you know, I, I, I know, I, I know, you don't, you know, you want to, you want to, uh, you want to use people from the acting studio and Linda and Dustin and all that, but let's, let's get a, let's get a name actor in here. And I said, well, who do you have in mind and for what part? And he said, why don't we get somebody who we really admire and, and and like sort of a dream actor from the late 80s, early 90s, which is kind of our favorite movie time. You know, those those are movies that we, you know, obsessed about when we were younger, you know, and all that kind of thing. And uh, he said, you know, Lo- Lori Petty would be great. And I was like, yeah, 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 Lori Petty, because Tank Girl, you know, was a fun movie and A League of Their Own and Point Break with Keanu Reeves. and." You know, uh, you're in the army now. She did all these movies. And um, so we uh, we submitted uh, a, pro- uh, a proposal to her, her uh, management. And she read the script and she loved it. And she's like, yeah, I'll, I'll do this. This this looks cool.
1: And, uh, yeah, it was a blast. Yeah, she's really good. I think that could work in one of two ways. Like uh, if you you're, uh, have a name actress or actor in in your movie, like, uh, it worked really well with, with Lori cause she's very good and it's very natural, but I think it could also, uh, you know, if you maybe get someone and then it's just kind of like, they stand out like, Hey, that's just so-and-so in the movie. It doesn't really uh, connect with the rest of it, but, uh, it totally worked.
0: You know, that's, that's a very good point that I didn't even think of that. The charm of this film is you have, everyone is unknown in the movie, most of the people in this movie are from my cinema gym uh, acting and directing studio, and it was their first film, uh, with the exception of like, the, the, there's two middle-aged actors in it that, that play Chef's parents, and they, they obviously had done uh, some movies before. But everybody in the movie is, and, but, but they're not known well-known faces, and you're right, all of a sudden, if, uh, if Meryl Streep shows up, it's <laughs> right. like, what? Um, yeah. but so maybe it's, it's a good thing. You know, we, we caught Lori. Um, she certainly is still working, but she hadn't worked for a while. And then she was working in television on orange is the new black and, um, and a couple of other shows. So she was sort of like coming back and we caught her at the right time. So, you know, I, I think people, uh, she obviously looked different. She was older. She's more mature and seasoned. Her hair color was different. So it did look like a movie
1: star that got plopped into
0: into the right. film.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, to go back to to the editing, did um, did you do your own editing on the whole movie?
0: Yeah, uh, no, actually, the the very first draft of the first. Hang on one second. The very first uh, the very first uh, draft or the very first half the first half of the first draft was edited by my assistant editor. And I just wanted him to see if he could put as much of the film together very quickly. And he got halfway through it and then I took over. And then after that, um, I edited the rest of the other six drafts. So, um, yeah, but he, you know, he, he was helpful. Just, it was interesting to see how somebody else cut the film and he had a different Mm -hmm. style than me that was much more quick cuts a lot of different angles um and i had decided to just go with making uh making it longer takes and um not worrying about whether or not the audience was going to still be engaged if the if the shot wasn't constantly changing because uh, it really i felt like that's not the movie we're making right now it's a character piece it's not plot driven and we're just going to take our time and You know, either people are going to enjoy spending time with this agoraphobic man and this female Marine, or or they're not, you know. And so that editing style seemed to work out
1: um, really well. Mm -hmm. I was just wondering, like, um, if you edit your own thing, do you ever, um, like, uh, is is it harder sometimes? Because it would be something like uh, maybe you have the memory of uh, when you're filming it as opposed to it something that may or may not work within uh, the movie. Like, um, that's, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that, that, no, it absolutely doesn't. That's a great question. Um, the first feature that I, I, I've directed like about uh, two features, 10 short films, a web series, but the very first project was a feature film and editing it, as you said, was difficult because I was married to or emotionally, uh, just tied to what was in the script. And I'm sure you've heard the expression that, uh, in the movie business, the script is written three times. The first time is by the screenwriter. And then the second author is the director as he's shooting it. He's changing things, you know, he's moving things around, adding things. And then the third author of it is the editor, because if he's allowed to, he'll, um, he'll, he'll, uh, He'll he'll go ahead and suggest things or, or or have the director do different things or suggest even doing the reshoot. Um, so I like the fact that if I'm the editor, I get to, and as the director, so I'm I, I change things as the director while I'm shooting, actually rewriting some things on set. Like I'll stop the scene because I'm like ah this isn't working, and it's not the performance, it's it's the writing, and then in editing, same thing where I'll. I'll, I'll rearrange the order of some scenes. I'll chop out dialogue. I I came up with two scenes that were not in the script. As an editor, I was thinking, oh, I, I need two more little scenes that I didn't think of. And I wrote those. We went out and just shot them real quick. And then I cut it into the movie. So editing is great because it gives you, as a filmmaker, just one more chance to, you know, to play with the script a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. so uh, where can you uh, I know it's on video domain but do you have any specifics where you can see fear love and agoraphobia
0: yeah it's now available on iTunes um, Google Play and Amazon and I believe it'll, it'll it's streaming on Amazon but I think the DVD is going to be available in a couple of days
1: oh cool uh, is there any uh, specials on that I assume there are
0: any specials I'm sorry yeah, the uh, DVD Oh, oh, you mean on the DVD? Right, 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 right. right. Yeah, Um, yeah. yeah. Actually, uh, I have a behind-the-scenes video that I put together that just gives you a little bit of uh, backstory and and more information on uh, how the movie was made and agoraphobia. And then I also recorded a director's commentary, which uh, one of our producers, Marcus Lineker, is part of, and both of our lead actors are part of. And I tried to share as many stories as I could for any uh, other filmmakers out there that are just looking for some different, some new tools or tips or things. Cause obviously this movie was made on a very modest budget and I love listening to directors commentaries and just getting different ideas and, you know, different tools, uh, for myself in the too. future. Yeah. So yeah, I put a lot of that stuff into the DVD commentary.
1: Yeah. Uh, interesting enough. I've, uh, you have a lot of independent uh, filmmakers on the show and you know some of uh, various levels. Cause I think independent is kind of a, uh, is a broad term, honestly, but uh, a lot of, some people I've had on has they've said that they've uh, who didn't go to film school, that they uh, learned to direct from listening to commentary tracks.
0: I'll be honest with you. Um, I, even, even, even though I did, I did take some filmmaking classes after I made my first feature. <laughs> so I made a, a, a first feature without, you know, without any filmmaking experience and it actually came out pretty good. Um, I don't recommend that, you know, I think you do need training and you need mentorship and guidance, but in all honesty, I made my first feature just because the director that I hired, uh, got overwhelmed and bailed out and it was up to me to, you know, like, Oh, I guess I'm the director now. (laughs) And, uh, it worked out and I fell in love with it and transitioned from, an act from acting into screenwriting and editing and, and directing all because the guy I hired, you know, he, he wasn't able to do the job. And so I found that I, I was good at it. So anyway, I, I did take a, a few, uh, directing classes, but honestly, um, Oh, I learned so much from, uh, DVD commentaries of some of my favorite directors, especially, uh, Martin Scorsese, you know, so I always like to say that my, my teacher was Martin Scorsese uh, that's not necessarily true, but partially.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, well, uh, he, uh, the taxi driver is one of my favorite uh, commentary tracks. Actually, there's yeah, uh, a few yeah. commentary tracks I think that are uh, that are great on, on that particular DVD. Uh, not just Mark Spreitzer, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Paul Schrader does one. Yeah. It's, it's oh, great.
0: absolutely. Yeah, I've got the exact same one that you have. It's an anniversary edition that has all kinds of extras.
1: Yeah. Also. Um, Ah, uh, Goodfellas. The uh, I really love the the one on Goodfellas. This is not from a technical standpoint, but just it's the cop and crook. I think they call it, and it's uh, Henry yeah. Hill and uh, and yep. the guy who caught him. And, and I I always love that commentary because uh, the guy who caught him, you could tell like he he kind of has like a love for the mafia guys, and it's I don't know if mm-hmm. it very interesting. Yeah, it is. That's a good one too. Yeah, excellent suggestion. Yeah. And you know, a cheap plug. In. I actually interviewed Henry Hill on the show years ago, which I was very excited about. Oh wow! My, co-, yeah, my co, my co, my co-host on the to- at the time was not because uh, he didn't like the idea of having like a criminal on the show. But uh, I had fun. <laughs> <laughs> I would have interviewed him in a minute. Why not? He's yeah. you know he's part of. Uh, he's a, he's a historical figure now. Exactly. And uh, So how can you follow yourself and uh, Fear, Love, and Agoraphobia online? Thanks, man. Thanks <laughs> so for asking. So, you? yeah, if
0: anybody wants right. to uh, follow uh, our film, Fear, Love, and Agoraphobia, you can go on uh, Twitter or uh, Instagram or uh, Facebook. And uh, you can also visit our, our website. There's a lot of cool um, reviews and interviews and trailers and biographies on our website, which is www.fearloveandagoraphobia.com. Very cool.
1: And I love the name, and I think there is, um, especially now since there are so many movies out there, I think a good name is very important, especially one that's uh, interesting and not, um, you know, not like the run or not like a, you know, a generic name. And Fear, fear Thanks, Love, and Agoraphobia. Man. Thank you. It. Thanks.
0: That, took a, that literally took a year to come up with, and in the end, I, I sort of plagiarized Steven Soderbergh's uh, uh, <laughs> Sex, Lies, and Videotape. So thank you, right. Steven,
1: for that. If you're going to steal,
0: steal <laughs> from the best.
1: Exactly. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I had a lot of fun talking to you.
0: Yeah, it was a blast. Thank you so much, Neil.
1: Thank you. And I really like all the movie. I know care. this is primarily a horror movie podcast, but uh, that doesn't mean that's all I watch. So... Thanks. It means a lot to us. I appreciate the support. Thank you. All right. Uh, All right have a man, good day. Take care. You as well. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.